Hello and welcome to the latest content episode for the Synergen Leadership Podcast. My name is Julian Carl, CEO and co-founder of Synergen Group. And once again, really happy to share with you the latest content episode where I introduce to you some of the mentoring framework that we use uh, here at Synergen Group. Now, this podcast is actually based on a, a webinar that I did for the Institute of Managers and Leaders all about mentoring. So if you're interested in seeing the full webinar, head over to their website and you will be able to get it. But I think what I really wanted to give you in this podcast was a clear clear set of things to think about in terms of how to go about becoming a mentor or if you're an organization, some of the key things you should be thinking about when launching a mentoring program. So hope you uh, get a lot of value out of this one. Once again, would love to hear what you think. So feel free to leave a review. That would be great. And looking forward to seeing you at the next one. So happy listening. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian speaks with leaders from around Australia to bring you their leadership story and share their insights about being a leader. To further help you build your leadership capability, Julian shares his own insights about leadership and the tools and techniques he uses as a leader. Hello there and welcome to another content episode of the Synergen Leadership Podcast. And look, for today's episode, what I wanted to do was share with you a webinar that I did for the Institute of Managers and Leaders and just walk through it again because I think it's got some real value in terms of introducing you to how Synergen Group approach mentoring. With this webinar, I did have three very distinct outcomes. First was I wanted to introduce everyone to the framework that we use for mentoring. The second thing I wanted to do was make sure that I could demonstrate why mentoring is a vital aspect of building talent and developing capability, and I think that's the biggest takeaway for this. And the third one is this idea that everyone should have a mentor and everyone should be a mentor. So I'm really going to encourage you to take on a mentee if you're in a leadership role and also to engage a, a mentor because I think it's a, it's a fantastic way to really build your own capability and also you know, gives you a great opportunity for some self-reflection. So before I get into the, the main body of work, I did need to make three clear distinctions. And the first one is that coaching and mentoring are two different things. And depending who you talk to, you can get very, very different views on this. And I'm going to share with you my view and I'll allow you to, to see whether or not you agree. But from my perspective, coaching is about relating to a specific skill. As an example, you know, salespeople being trained in how to sell, people being coached in their technical expertise, a new leader needing to be coached in how to conduct some performance management. So I really think coaching is about a very specific, relates to something very specific and it's probably quite short term. Mentoring though, from my view, is far more holistic. It's, it's, it's far more ambiguous in where the conversation may go. And it's much more reflective of what the leader is actually going through at that point in time. So you may end up wanting to speak about something, but because something is going on with the mentee, it goes in a direction which you didn't really think it was going to go. So that's the first distinction that I make. The second one is this idea of formal mentoring versus informal mentoring. So for me, formal mentoring programs follow structure. Importantly, they're mentor-driven and quite often have accountability options in place. Informal mentoring for me is really just around general conversations, do not happen on a frequent basis, 
often they, often what I call coffee shop conversations. So I'm a big advocate in that the only way to get the outcomes that a business or an individual really wants from a mentoring program is to adopt a formal mentoring program. And that should be done in a very specific way. The third distinction I'd like to make before I kick in to the sort of main body is this idea of internal mentoring versus external mentoring. So what's happening now is a lot of organisations are leaning towards internal programs, obviously because they're more cost effective and they can potentially draw on internal expertise and help internal relationships. The challenge is that quite often I think people underestimate the time associated with being a mentor. So that's one of the biggest things about internal programs is making sure that the mentor has available time. External programs are often used when an organisation realises though that an experienced third party brings the relationship and this is what we're finding with our client base is that more and more are seeing the value in the outside perspectives and understanding that the, the mentor will not necessarily buy into the mentee mindset. Don't always necessarily take on board everything the mentee saying because it is only their perspective. So there are 10 considerations that I'm going to be introducing you to uh, as, as part of this uh, podcast. And the first consideration is why you should be a mentor. And so I suppose there's a, there's a number of reasons why I believe you should be a mentor. And the, the first one is that you're supporting a future leader. He says you're seeing a leader develop their skills and knowledge firsthand and you know there's a sense of knowing that you've played a part in this. And this can be really satisfying seeing someone start in their role and you know if you stay in touch with them later on you see how far they've come. Quite satisfying. Another consideration is why I think you should be a mentor is that you develop your communication and coaching skills. So the key thing to remember here is that not every leader makes a great mentor. You might be very, very well skilled in your area of expertise. You may know your business back to front. You may not necessarily have the immediate coaching and communication skills that a really effective mentor needs. So when you're in that situation, what we find is that you do start to develop those communication and coaching skills. This also then has obviously the flow and effect to the way that you manage and lead your team. You also build networks and become part of the mentoring community. And for those of you that have been through my programs, you always know that I'm talking about relationships are a key to your success and your network is a powerful resource. And I think what it does, it allows you to share information and insights and provide a lot of support to those in your network. Another reason why I think you should become a mentor is that you gain insights into other industries. So there can be incredible learning opportunities when you mentor someone from outside your industry and you often pick up the nuances of that sector. Uh, it's quite interesting if I think about my, my mentees that I've had over the past, you know, I think about one in particular, Sam, you know, she worked in an IT software development space and this was an area that I didn't know anything about and it was quite interesting to, to learn some of the challenges which happens when you have major releases of software upgrades and just things like that. So it really did give me a little bit of an insight into how the industry operates. I think one of the biggest reasons why you should be a mentor is that you're encouraged to practice solutions-based thinking. And this is something which I'm a big advocate of, is that we spend too much time uh, talking about the problems in meetings and thinking about the problems. I think that we need to spend more time thinking about the solutions. And what this does in a mentoring component is I don't believe you're there to give all the answers, 
But in your mind, as you're talking to your mentee, you are thinking about potential solutions. And it's just a little bit of a discipline that goes with it in terms of not worrying so much about the problem all the time, but really focusing in on what the opportunity is and what the solution is. Mentoring also brings business opportunities. This could be in any number of ways. It could be that you know you spot an opportunity for your business through through chatting with your mentee. It could be that your mentee brings to you an opportunity that they believe their organization needs, or it could be just sparking an idea. But I do believe that it's going to bring opportunities for you. For those of you that are looking to, to build your credibility as a leader, mentoring is a great way to do that. It demonstrates you've got the ability to develop others. It demonstrates that you've got the capacity to build future leaders. And this is what a lot of organizations are looking for, leaders that can create and develop other leaders. So putting mentoring on your CV really does give you the opportunity to you know, sell yourself as that leader who can develop other leaders. I think mentoring also becomes a sellable skill. You can also potentially take on mentees that, that pay you to be their mentor. And there's organizations that do this all the time, and it's it's a great way to supplement your income if that's what you're looking for. I think leaders you mentor also leave a legacy, and I think this is important to consider the legacy you'll leave. You can have a lasting impact on people that goes beyond their working life, and I think that just knowing you've contributed in some small way to to their journey, I think, is really important. And I think mentoring also gives you the opportunity to self reflect. And this is one of the greatest things a leader can do because as a leader, what I find is as a leader continues to, to go through their leadership journey, they become less and less interested in formal learning. they less and less inclined to take on formal classes or formal training. And this happens in a hierarchical perspective as well. They tend to go up the ladder and not necessarily focus on formal development. So if they're not going to focus on formal development, they need to find a way to continue their development. Self-reflection is a perfect way of doing this. So I think that if you're in a mentor capacity, what you're really going to do is give yourself the opportunity to self-reflect on your own journey, which can be a really powerful learning. So the second consideration I'd like you to think about in this whole idea of mentoring is how do you go about selecting your mentee? And so there are a number of things I think it's worthwhile just taking the time to think about before you go out and just, just grab anyone to be your mentee. The first thing is the idea of is an internal mentoring the best option for you so sometimes internal mentoring can work really well uh, really much depends on the commitment level of the mentee and the mentor you know sometimes having in-depth knowledge of the same workplace and the same company can add real value flip side is also applicable in some cases sometimes if the for example the mentee has a challenge with another individual and you know that individual that can put you in a compromising position so uh, think about whether or not you really want to mentor someone from inside your own workplace so i think you can also mentor further afield you know you might like to mentor someone in a different industry you might like to mentor someone from a different uh, diversity perspective in terms of a different demographic Uh, so there's lots of different options for you in terms of when selecting your mentee i'd also like you to think about how many mentees should you have so at the moment i've got three and that is probably my limit in terms of the fact that i'm a full-time ceo and business owner as well and three is probably about my limit so what is the right number of mentees for you you know, I, if you're just starting out, I always think about just start with one, 
and just see how you go. I think it's also important to think about, you know, if you can do any sort of research about them because the most important thing in this whole mentoring relationship is this idea of commitment. So if your mentee is not fully committed to the mentoring program and to you as their mentor, well then I think there's going to be not quite as satisfying as it could be for you as the mentor. You might also want to consider their career stage, their role and their connection to you. So someone who's obviously earlier on in their career might be more inclined to take on a mentor. They may be more interested in, in using mentoring as a way to accelerate their development, which is exactly what it does. Uh, the reverse though is what, what a lot of people are doing now have been around a long time in leadership is they're often doing what's called reverse mentoring, which is where they're engaging someone, deliberately someone of a different age profile so that they can, you know, just start to date on, you know, different perspectives on things, that the tech side of, of change as well is something a lot of older leaders are starting to think about as well. Location obviously plays a part in terms of where you are. So in my case, I have two mentees in Sydney, one in Melbourne. I'm based in Melbourne. The ones in Sydney are generally all done via phone. When I am up in Sydney, if I can, I will try to catch up and, and vice versa. But, you know, the reality is you do need to think about that because if you start looking at difference in East Coast, West Coast, for example, you've got time differences and it's just something to think about. I'd also like you to think about the idea as a learning process. So you, as the mentor, will obviously get to learn more about what their industry is that your mentee comes from. So this might mean that if you're interested in a particular industry that you seek out a mentee from that particular industry. It's very much a learning process and I think there's a lot to be said for approaching it that way. And I think uh, you also need to factor in that you know, we need to support diversity wherever we can. And mentoring is about creating a, and supporting better leaders and create a better standard of leadership. And so to do that, we need leaders who come from a diverse backgrounds and experiences. So for me, diversity is a whole range of things. It's gender, it's age, it's ethnicity, it's uh, political views. It's, it's just, The list goes on in terms of how many different ways we can measure diversity. I think personality styles, I think, you know, the way we think differently, so many different things in terms of supporting diversity. And I think that you get a mentee that's obviously very different to you. That's going to be a good thing in terms of building your own, your own knowledge, but also allowing you to support the diversity agenda uh, of building better leaders. There's a number of things that you probably need to think about before you actually start the mentoring process. So imagine you've selected your mentee, you've decided that you're gonna be a mentor, and now you're at the point where you're getting ready to start. And the first thing is this idea of establishing clear boundaries. So this is gonna be very much up to you as an individual about where you feel that you're comfortable going. So I always like to position myself is that, you know, I always approach mentoring as a very professional undertaking. At the same time though, it does build, you do build a connection and a relationship with the person that you're mentoring. And so that might end up meaning that the conversations go where you don't expect them to go. I'm comfortable with that. It's really up to you to think about what are you comfortable with and try to establish some clear boundaries around that. Second thing I'd like you to think about before you start mentoring is this idea of clear expectations, outcomes and goals. For the mentoring program to be really valuable, it does need to be outcomes based. 
in that the mentee is very clearly articulating what it is they want to achieve, where it is they want to go, and you as your me- and you as the mentor guiding them along the journey in terms of potentially offering them different perspectives, asking really key questions. And I think if you do that, you'll be able to very much set them on the path that they want to be on and and support them in getting to where they need to get to. I think it's also important that you have a a mentoring plan. So this is a comprehensive plan that will ensure you and your mentee are on the same page. Keep it simple. Plan on a page is a phrase which often gets used a lot, but I think it's actually a very accurate one. Just having a clear, you know, simple plan about how you want to approach it, key things you want to touch on, and how it's going to work, I think that's all you need. Also, obviously, I'm a big believer in the formal structure, so I'm going to encourage you to adopt the formal structure as well. Uh, This will avoid you doing what's called coffee shop mentoring, which generally peters out after a short period of time. The conversations don't normally go effective or as efficient as they could be. So I think a formal structure always works better. I think you also need to make sure that you find ways to make sure the sessions stay on track. There's a lot to consider in terms of mentoring. I think that you don't always know what's going to come up. At the same time, have a, have, have a process in mind that if the conversation starts to go in a direction that's not adding any value, how do you bring it back? How do you bring it back to you know, focusing on the value that you can really give? And in some cases, that might mean you just need to be the ear that someone needs to vent to. If that's the case, just acknowledge it. Wherever possible, just make sure that you're keeping your sessions on track so that while they'll be much more valuable to your mentee. I also think you need to focus on your mentee taking action, not just having these conversations once every three weeks, which is the, the model that we use, but they're actually taking action. They're doing stuff there. They're making deliberate steps to achieve what it is they want to achieve. And I'll give you an example. Earlier this year, I ran a competition on LinkedIn because I read an article or a number of articles actually about senior men afraid to mentor women. And what it did is really, really, really bothered me. And so I put out there that I'd have two scholarships for women and we would then really start to see what I could do to contribute towards that. And so one of the things that she's doing is she's made a very clear commitment to wanting to uh, start to work in, in the training area, which is obviously something I know a lot about. And so we're undertaking a process where we're just stepping through what she needs to do to actually achieve that, that, that career goal, which is where, where she wants to be. So it's become a very, very, very focused mentoring program in the, in the initial first few sessions, and then I think it will start to become a bit more general. I think the final thing I'd like you to think about before you start is this idea of being prepared to go above and beyond. And look, sometimes mentoring can be a little draining in that if you see your mentee is not taking action, if your mentee is not respecting your time, uh, but I think it's important to think, you know, what can you do to go above and beyond? You know, what can you do to be the one that uh, takes the program seriously? What can you do to make sure that you're putting in all the effort you can do? And that's going to take different shapes and forms depending on personal perspective on things. Right? Just something I'd like you to think about that's not always clear about what the, what the role is and, you know, where it stops and where, where it starts. So the fourth consideration I'd like you to think about is this idea of the rules of the game. And I always do this at the very start of the mentoring relationship. 
and I think that it's in a very very important part of it because it sets sets the sets the groundwork. You know, my rules are that you know we need to maintain mutual respect. So the mentor is putting in a lot of effort, and the and the effort goes beyond just the actual time spent. There's time spent thinking, there's time spent planning, there's time potentially spent doing things. And I think the the reverse is true. The mentee's got lots on, and so both sides of the the relationship really need to have this high level of mutual respect. I think there's also this uh, really big focus on the high level of confidentiality. I think that you know people want to be open, people want to share their thoughts and views. They can only do that if they feel as though what they're saying is is held in a confidential manner. So um, I'm you know really going to f- focus in on that. That you know just make sure that you set that rule of the game very very clearly. This next one could be a little bit interesting for you, but it's about this idea of being honest. And it's not about thinking that some people are setting out to be dishonest. It's about sometimes hard honesty might be called for. And as your mentor, you've got a role that you may need to deliver some hard honesty. For example, if someone's not making their time commitment to you as the mentor and that they're not respecting your time, well, maybe you need to have a hard honest conversation about that. That's going to be easier for some people than others. And that's really what I mean when I talk about this idea of of being honest. I think it's also important for you to to make sure that you're holding your mentee accountable, that if they say they're going to do something, then they need to do it. Uh, I I think there's little point in setting goals and tasks if if your mentee's not going to do it and you actually don't hold them accountable. I think that that's uh, that's, basically wasting everyone's time. I think one of the qualities of a really great mentor is someone who's a really good listener, someone that can hear what the person is saying and, and, and get insight from that and actually retain that, take good quality notes from being a good listener. It's a really important skill to develop. And the other thing you might want to do is consider finding insights and doing research. Now, mentoring is not about giving your mentee the answers, but it's creating about creating an environment where they are able to make their own discoveries, where they can start to think about things from a different perspective. And one of the ways that you can support them in doing that is you might just do a little bit of research about something and just throw an idea. Have you considered this? Have you ever thought about this? Did you know this was happening? And sometimes just that little idea, that little question can really spark something. So I think we always look for insights where we can. I do think mentors need to make themselves available you know, you're making a significant commitment to yourself and to your mentee. And for me, this means making yourself available. Not always when it suits you, but when it suits the mentee. Again, as the mentor, you're going to have to think about, well, how much commitment are you prepared to make? I think it's always important to ensure that you're present during the sessions. And this is this is something where technology can be very distracting. For example, two of my sessions are on the phone. Uh, it would be very easy for me to be on the phone and also be on the laptop without my mentees knowing and I could be doing emails, I could be doing anything. The truth of the matter is that if I'm doing that, I'm not going to be present. If I'm not going to be present, there's no value in the conversation. So you've got to make sure that you can always be present, need to put aside any distractions and really focus on what's going on in the, in the session. The last rule of the game for me is this idea of managing your time. And I think that if you can manage your time, you'll get the results faster. And I think you need to lead by example here. And this is getting back to the idea that if you say you're going to do something, you get it done. 
in time. Fifth consideration I'd like you to think about in terms of the mentoring relationship is this idea of how you go about building trust. I think the first step here is creating a safe environment. And when I'm talking, when I say safe environment, I'm not talking about physical safe, I'm talking about psychologically safe environment. I think your mentee needs to feel they can say anything that they need to say and there's not going to be any comeback, there's not going to be any problems, there's not going to be any judgment. And that doesn't come easy and for those of you that haven't been mentors before, I think that this is an area where you can really focus in on but also acknowledge that it takes a little bit of time to build a psychologically safe environment. It's not an easy thing but it's a very, very powerful thing. I think it's also important to always be honest and genuine. Sounds obvious, but uh, if you share a little bit more about you and how you view, view things, your mentee is probably likely to do the same. So the idea of you know, genuine and authentic, you know, you, you can't go past that in terms of how, if you want to really build some trust. I think being reliable is important, and this is where you can start to think about reliable in terms of doing what you say you're going to do or making your calls on time or whatever it might be. Just really you know, make sure that you're, you know, they can rely on you and they feel they can rely on you. I think it's also important to understand what their passions are and potentially share your experiences. I mean, if you've got shared passions, that's certainly going to contribute towards the idea of building trust. You know, little things like understanding family relationships that can also contribute to, to, to building trust. So share your experiences, understand what they're passionate about. One of the greatest things a mentor can do is really focus on building your mentee's self-esteem and confidence. Very few people come into leadership roles with, with a high level of confidence about their ability to lead. If they do, I'd be interested to know how they develop that confidence because leadership is not something that you just do, it's something that you have to be. And so for me, I think if we can focus on you know, how do we build their confidence? How do we highlight that they're doing something more than just a job? I think is, is a crucial part of mentoring. So doing whatever we can to build their confidence is important. Free and open communication. This is where we're, we're just being honest. We're just having honest conversations. We're not, not trying to hide things. We're just having honest conversations, which is the, the basis of building this trust based relationship with your mentee. I think you've got to focus on building trust the whole program. You know, obviously the, the lot more further in depth to the program you get, the the easier it will be for the trust levels will rise at the very start of the relationship. Maybe the trust not going to be there as much. And that, that's to be expected. So I think just if that focus on trust the entire time, I think is going to be well worthwhile. And the final step to you know building trust is this idea of being respectful. You know, respecting their time, respecting what they're bringing to the conversation, respecting what they're bringing to the relationship, and really looking to just take on board them as, as leaders and, and respecting what they do. It's a, it's a really important thing because there is an inherent hierarchy in the mentoring relationship. And I think if you can you know, step back from that just a little occasionally and, and respect what your mentee's doing, I think it puts you in a pretty good position. Next consideration I'd like you to think about is this idea of inspiration and motivation and this is something which has been on my mind a little specifically around LinkedIn because for those of you that know me you'd know I'm a massive advocate of LinkedIn but there's all these people on LinkedIn who are calling themselves inspirational and, and this and that and uh, I think that, that that can be a challenge sometimes but someone might find inspirational another person may not find inspirational at all so I think inspiration really is in the 
in the eye of the other person, not in the person who's claiming to be inspirational. So the first thing is, you know, the question is how do, how, how do you be inspirational? And I think you know, the best way to do that is just be yourself. That is the best self you can be. So it's not about saying you're inspirational. It's just about doing what you do. And, and if you do it really well, someone, maybe your mentee, maybe someone else, will find you inspirational because they'll see that that's a way for them to or you provide a catalyst for them to see themselves in that particular way. So I, I don't know if there's anything more than that in terms of how you can be inspirational. I think inspiration encourages aspiration. I think when people see someone, quite often they aspire to something. I think in Australia we have a little bit of an issue with that in terms of tall poppy syndrome. But again, for those of you who've been through my programs, you know that it's something which I, I don't subscribe to and I, I really think it's damaging people's ability to be great leaders because they're worried about what, um, you know, being the best. So I think there's always something we can aspire to and I think we should aspire to being something better than we are now. And that simply happens when we make the decision to raise our standards, to be the best we can be and, you know, constantly take that time to say, well, how can I do this better? And you know, not get stagnant, not get complacent. And really start to think, you know, what, what's next for me? What else can I aspire to? I think it's also important to think about where do you find inspiration? And this is really interesting because people are going to find it in different places. For me, at the moment, you know, not only my podcaster, but I'm a, I'm a voracious listener of podcasts. And for me, I find a lot of inspiration and ideas in those podcasts. Also reading, learning, meeting other leaders putting yourself in new uh, experiences. These are the best ways for you to find some form of inspiration. It's also important to try to come up with some new ideas and experiences. And, you know, this could be you share with your mentee a new idea you've had or something that's going on or you've shared an experience with them. And I think, you know, again, just sharing can really, really put you in a position where your mentee may find you inspirational. I think it's important to also acknowledge that you will have successes, but you'll also have failures. And I think you need to share both. And there's a lot of learnings that can be had from our failures as leaders. When we haven't done something to the best of our ability, a lot of learning can come from that. I'd like you to consider the idea that you, you manage your state, that you need to be conscious of your state before, during, and after each mentoring session. And when I mean state, I'm talking about your emotional state. I'm talking about how do you show up. How do you show up to the conversation? Do you show up inspired? Do you show up happy to be there? Do you show up ready to add value? Or are you showing up saying, oh, you know, I've got another call to make or I'm here again? How do you show up? And I think that's important to think about. I'd like you to also try to find out what their personal drivers are. Personal drivers are, are really interesting because if you can tap into those, you can support your mentee and you can leverage those personal drivers so if someone's got a you know, personal driver such as you know financial security, well then you can really leverage that idea of financial security in terms of how they can go about establishing themselves as a credible leader that can basically get a job in any industry in any company. No better way of building financial security than being uh, highly sought after in your field of expertise. So again, understand what their personal drivers are and think about how you can leverage those. And then the final thing I'd like you to think about in terms of this idea of inspiration and motivation is this idea of getting your mentee to set goals. Now, I've mentioned goals before, 
and goal setting is something that everyone talks about and very few people do really well. And so I think if we can get them to set some little micro goals so they can feel as though they're making inroads, so they feel as though they're being successful. That success breeds motivation because they think, I like that feeling of winning and I want more of it, and therefore they're able to set bigger goals. So I think little, start with the little ones, the ones that are easy to achieve, and then watch what happens. They will start to do more and more and more, and they'll achieve more and more and more. One of the things that really good mentors do is they, they've got the ability to, to give and receive feedback. So this is obviously a natural leadership skill, uh, but I think it really much applies to mentoring as well. So I want to give you a couple of, a couple of factors to think about here. First one is different types of feedback for different people. So if you think that your way of giving feedback is the right way for every person that you have to give feedback to, I'm probably here to say maybe take another look at that. The challenge is that people are different. And so you need to be able to identify what type of feedback the person needs, or in this case, the mentee needs, for you to get the best response from them. And I think this is something which a lot of leaders don't do really well is they don't give that feedback. And by consequence, if a lot of leaders don't give the feedback, probably a lot of mentors don't give the feedback as well. Really important part of it. So different types of feedback for different people. And it's also important to think about the language. I think sometimes our language can have a profound effect on others, sometimes obvious ways and sometimes in ways that are not so obvious. So I'd really like you to be thinking about what's your language pattern how are you talking? Are you using the, the whole we and us? Or are you using you? And so just those little things, those those you know, the, the, those little things which sometimes we don't focus in on, but they can make all the difference. Timing is also important to feedback. I think you know timing of feedback needs to be timely. So when it needs to be given, it needs to be given. There's no point sitting on it weeks, months later and then actually giving it the opportunity is gone. So timing is important. Feedback can also be a challenge for some people, and I think you know you've always got to make sure that you maintain your integrity, that we hold ourselves to account, and that you know we're holding ourselves to our own standards. Your mentee needs some feedback, and and you feel challenged giving it. Well, then I think you need to think about well, what does that mean for you? What does it mean? Why are you challenged? Is it because you don't feel comfortable having the conversation? Is it because it's somehow they're challenging your integrity? What's, what's behind that? And I think you, know, you really need to maintain a position of integrity when it comes to feedback. And you can always open the feedback by letting the person know that you know, you're finding it challenging to give it to them. People will generally respect it. I think a lot of people don't actually understand the power of feedback. You know, it can really add value. It can really be powerful to people. And I think that the more and more people actually give it and receive it, the more and more they expect it and want it. And I think it's something which we talk about in every leadership program, every good leadership book talks about feedback, every leadership podcast talks about feedback. We need to be better at it. And I think the, the final thing I'd like, just like to say on feedback is this idea of written feedback. It can also be considered formal recognition. So I run an exercise in one of my programs where I ask people to submit some examples of written feedback that they've received from their managers. And quite often a lot of them struggle to do it because they've never received any sort of written feedback. So written feedback can be really impressive, really useful, and really powerful if done the right way. 
So I think that it's something to, as a mentor, something to consider. So the eighth consideration I'd like you to think about with this idea of being a mentor is resolving issues. You know, sometimes issues are going to come up, they need to be resolved. So first step is obviously taking the time to understand it. Is there something going on? Is there something that's happening below the surface, behind the scenes, that as the mentor you're not clear about? I'd also like you to follow a process. One of the most powerful pieces of advice that was ever given to me was by a senior HR director who said the importance of following a process will basically mean that nine times out of ten, you'll get the result that you want. I thought it was a really powerful learning because it really just highlighted the value of following a process. I'd also like you to look at things from your mentee's perspective. Very easy to get caught in what we call first position, which is where you view everything from your perspective. How about stepping into your mentee's shoes and looking at it from their perspective? Or trying to anyway, at least. Wherever possible, try to look at things from both sides of the coin. I also think issue resolution is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to, to strengthen a relationship, to, to navigate through difficult times, and I think that that can really, really add value to the mentee, but also can add value to you as a leader, which, again, you can take back to your leadership outside of this mentoring program. I'd also like you to be thinking about, are you open to feedback? Are you open to feedback as a mentor? This isn't about a one-way street. Mentoring relationship is about building a connection. It's about working together. And so if you're working together, you need to be open to receiving feedback as well. I mentioned it earlier, but be conscious of your language. The language is incredibly important when it comes to issue resolution. And because obviously feedback and issue resolution are quite often tied together, your language is really important. So I'm just asking you to think about it. Be conscious of it. Wherever possible, I want you to find win-win solutions. This is where you and your mentee feel that you've arrived at a good outcome. And look, done well, this can this can make the relationship even tighter. And the final part of this idea of resolving issues for me is focusing on the future. Where to from here? Where are we going to go? Where do we want to go in the mentor-mentee relationship? And that constant focus on the future I think allows us to acknowledge that, you know, sometimes things come up and sometimes things happen and that's okay, but where to from here? Where are we going? What are we doing? So moving on to, as we start to get towards the end of this podcast is consideration number nine, which is networking with purpose. I'm a, uh, a late convert to networking, to tell the truth. When I was employed by someone else, I never really saw the value in networking, even when I was in a senior general manager role, I thought, you know, I what's my role? Well, I generally manage, whatever the hell that means. And it wasn't until I went into my own business and started doing more and more training and with different leaders that I realized why networking is such an important part of leadership. And if it's part of leadership, it's obviously part of a mentoring relationship. So I think, you know, the why is it important? Well, it gets back to this idea that Relationships are really key to your success. And you don't always know when your network can really add value to your mentee. And I'll give an example. One of my mentees was looking to leave a role and go to a competitor and at a new facility. So I looked on my uh, LinkedIn 
profile and surprisingly I was actually connected to someone at that new place in the right role and I was able to connect the two together. So I got nothing out of it apart from the fact that I was able to connect them together. And I think that's one of the key things with networking is it's about what can you add? How can you give value? So for me, that's why networking is important. I also think networking is about your personal brand in that you have one, whether you like it or not. So I think it's better to design it rather than let it develop by accident. It's also important to think about your quality of your network versus the quantity. So quite often, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll reference LinkedIn because I'm a big user of it. You know, people have 30,000 connections on LinkedIn. Well, is those 30,000 connections really adding value? Are you really adding value to all of them? So I think it's important to think about what's the quality of your network like. I think a networking plan is important. And this could be that how you're going to go about it. And this depends on you as an individual. You might want to go to events. You might want to do breakfasts. So many different ways you can network, but have a little bit of a plan. I'd like you to network with your customers. I'd like you to network with your suppliers, with your peers, with your competitors. All those people are very much worth networking with and just starting to think about, you know, how can you add value to them and how can they add value to you? And I think that that's why we want to network with people. We just want to have our finger on the pulse. We want to know what's going on. You might even start to develop a little bit of a mentor's network. And so I think this is where you can support your mentee and maybe start doing a couple of introductions. Maybe you can start to share uh, insight into who they might want to connect with. So if they're not a natural networker, you can support them in that. LinkedIn is obviously the number one social platform for business professionals. Obviously an excellent way to start, but I will encourage you to think about how do you go from the online component of LinkedIn to the offline component. And perfect example happened to me last Wednesday night. I went to an event and I got introduced to a woman and I'm looking at her, listening to her, thinking of her name. I thought, I'm sure I'm connected to you on LinkedIn. Surprise, surprise, I was. Uh, <laughs> she she didn't recognize me. Uh, but then when I started to remind her of some of our conversations, she did. So it's just a perfect example of the, the LinkedIn is great recognize it for what it is it's a digital connection i'm going to encourage you to think about how can you take it from a digital connection to a physical connection conferences and events are always a great thing in terms of networking if you go there with that intent and the number one thing about networking for me is this idea of how can you add value networking is not what you can get it's about what you can give and I think that it's, it's really important to approach it from that way of adding as much value. I'll give an example, a lot of my network, uh, some of my older network, uh, very much in the rail industry. So if I come across something, an article on LinkedIn, which is relevant to the rail or about them, you know, I post it, not because it gives me anything, but I think it might add a little bit of value to them. So the final consideration this whole idea of, of being a mentor is you know taking the time to evaluate the mentoring program so this starts with obviously having a, a review and i'm an advocate of reviewing the, the program every three months just allows you to review goals think about how it's going what's working what's not i think you construct a, a framework for the, re, the review so it can be replicated across the life of the program this framework will allow you to work out what's working and what's not what needs to change. Don't be 
afraid to change if change is needed. Yeah, I think it's also good to take time to think about what were the benefits to the mentee, what were the benefits to you as the mentor, because that's always that's always going to um, encourage longevity if you're feeling as though you're getting significant benefit out of the relationship as well. And if uh, if you can, it's also important to think about what what benefit is the organisation that your mentee is a part of. What are they getting? It's a very good positioning piece, and, and it's a very important aspect of mentoring because you want to see value for the employer as well. And look, one of the final things that I think is important when it comes to evaluating, it's this idea of keeping good notes, keeping good records, being able to, you know, jog your memory through whatever means you need to when you take notes, and really just you know making sure that you're across it, that you know what's going on and that you are in a good position to actually do a review. Alrighty, so there you have it. That's a bit of a, a bit of a, a snapshot of of the whole idea of, of mentoring and why I believe every leader should be a mentor and, and also have a mentor. I did give that pretty much that same presentation on a webinar format to the Institute of Managers and Leaders. So that's probably about it uh, for this episode. And look, one thing I want to put out there, if there is something that you're interested uh, in me putting a a podcast together on in terms of content, please let me know. So far, we've only had one request and it was way back towards the start of the year when when I did the LinkedIn for Leaders episode. So it'd be really interesting to see, you know, what it is you'd like me to to put together in terms of content. So feel free to shoot me through an email, julian at synergengroup.com.au or hit me up via LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find as Julian Carl on LinkedIn. So until next time, I hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, once again, we'd love for you to leave a review. Bye for now. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Synergy and Leadership Podcast. I trust you found it interesting. A couple of things. If you could go online and leave a review of the podcast, that would be great. Really help us in uh, spreading awareness of the podcast. Happy for you to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. And if you want to shoot me through an email, julian at synergygroup.com.au. See you next time.